Welcome to the Westminster Chapel podcast. For more information and to support our mission to London and beyond, please visit westminsterchapel.org.uk. Ephesians 4, verse 7 to 16. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascend mean, except that he also descended to the lowly earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Well, thank you, uh, Carl. Thank you for reading that so well. That incredibly important passage uh, in Ephesians, which we're going to look at this morning. Great to see you. Great to be preaching live. Well done, worship band team. Sound team, I think you do such an incredible job, don't they? You do an incredible job hidden away uh, in order to help us to sound like we know what we're talking about. So it's, it's great to be with you. It's great to be talking in a series, Walking in Love. Uh, Howard did a fantastic job last week about worthy walking. And today I'm going to talk about obedient walking, that God wants all of us, whether we're in this room or at home, to know how it is we together can walk obediently and uh, if we are to fill London with the love of Christ, if we're to fill uh, our streets where we live in this community around Westminster Chapel with the love of Christ, we together need to know what it is to walk obediently. So the encouragement this morning isn't an uh, individual encouragement, it's us together encouragement um, and uh, I believe the best days of this church are ahead of us. And uh, that means you and I together are going to inherit something of uh, the joy of being God's church in London for a time like we're living in. And it might help you to understand, just to set this in context, that the people outside of these four walls, immediately outside the four walls, I've talked to three people this week who have all said to me, it's, it's dead, isn't it? It's an old building, isn't it? Isn't it a warehouse or something? Is, is there anything that goes on in there? And uh, so we've got a good work to do. And if you don't know, the builders are on site and uh, building work is beginning and there is going to be a massive refurbishment because we want this lovely, beautiful, historical Westminster Chapel to be a church of the 21st century, not going all the way back into the 19th century, don't we? 
And that church isn't just a building, it is the people. It's interesting, if you were to be on site, you would know that people come, uh, and when they come into the builders, into a meeting, the builders introduce themselves. The guy who's the site agent, so I'm the site agent, the structure engineer, I'm the structure engineer, I'm the architect, I'm the quantity surveyor, I'm the project manager. Well, they're showing off, aren't they? Aren't they just showing off? Why, why are they saying that? Why don't they say I'm Bob and Gene? And why, don't, why, why do they say what they do? Because we need to have people who are going to do our building works who know what they're talking about, who have done training and equipping in order to make sure what is built will last. And so the passage that we've just looked at and we're going to look at again today is really important to understand that the church is not built by have-a-go Charlies. It's not Jack. I believe part of the problem the church in the nation is in such a poor place is because we have Jack leading it. Jack of all trades, master of none. You've heard that. It's, not, it's, a, it's a bad quote because it was master of some in the original. But we've got this idea in the church that all you need to build a church is a pastor. All you need is someone to do a sermon and you can build a great church. Well, you can't. That's not what the risen Lord Jesus has, has decided in eternity in terms of his church need. He has given gifts to men so that we can build a church which is everything that God wants it to be. And for that to happen, these gifts are given so that we might grow up. The church might continually be growing in terms of salvation growth, but actually in terms of holiness growth and maturity growth and knowledge growth. And so we have just read about the five-fold gifts of the risen Christ. You can illustrate this with your hand. So if you want to put your hand in front of your face just to un un help me to this morning, put your hand out like that. The apostle, wave your thumb. The apostle is a gift given that can connect with all the other fivefold gifts. The apostle is the guy, if you like, who's the, the, the site manager, the guy who, who's going to be in charge of the building work and bringing in the various gifts to build the church strong. Next finger is the pointing finger. Point at me. The pointing finger is the prophet. The prophet is God's gift to his church. Prophetic ministry is to direct the church into what our future is. We have prophecies. We have words that can direct us into where God wants to direct us. The next finger, if you hold your hand up like that, the tallest finger, and I know there'll be three of you who isn't the tallest finger. Just ignore those people. It ruins the illustration. Is head and shoulders, the one slightly above every, the one who's out there a little bit more than the rest of us is the evangelist. The evangelist's job is to equip the church in order to help reach the lost. The next finger, if you look at my hand, it's, it's got a wedding ring on it and that's the pastor. This is the problem we often get into. We just think that all the church needs is a pastor and everybody's loved and aren't we all cozy and aren't we all sweet. The pastor is an important gift because it builds community. It builds us in loving relationship to each other and we need it. And the final finger, the smallest finger, if I was to do that, it grounds all the other gifts, the teaching gift. So the, so the pastor, the evangelist, the prophet and the apostle all need to sit under the authority of scripture. You can't go beyond scripture. No leader can go beyond scripture. And so we're going to look at how these gifts operate in order for us to grow up this morning. 
And uh, there are, I'm, I'm going to use five Fs um, uh, to illustrate that. Five things we want for Westminster Chapel. I, I want you to almost have in your spirit an amen to each one of these as you hear this. Uh, and if you, I suppose you're not allowed to do it under your mask, are you? But you can nod vigorously because it really encourages uh, the preacher. And the first F I see in this passage is God wants a fighting church. A fighting church. You see, it's a very interesting text, isn't it? There is Paul writing and he's going to talk about how God, how the ascended Christ wants to build his church on earth. And he, and, and he begins by, by this quote from Psalm 68 and he even quotes it wrong. So it says here, this is why it says, when he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended, that's come from heaven to earth, is the very one who ascended Christ and his ascension to higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. And from that place of authority, Christ gave some to be apostles if you turn back into Psalm 68, where this is read, Psalm 68, if you don't know, is the sort of like, it begins with, let God arise and let his enemies be scattered. It's a sort of military retelling of great exploits of the people of God. And uh, it, it reminds us in verse 70, the chariots of gods are tens of thousands of thousands. The Lord has come from Sinai into his sanctuary. When you ascended on high, you led captives in your train and you received gifts from men. So there's a contradiction there. In Ephesians 4, he gave gifts to men, but in Psalm, you receive gifts from men. Let me just explain why there is this difference. You see, what we need to understand, the church needs to understand is there is a war on. There is a battle on. And the picture of the Old Testament here is of the, the king who would conquer an empire, conquer a kingdom. And as he conquered that kingdom, the, because he was the most powerful, because his armies had routed the enemy, he would receive to himself gifts. He would have the, the, the gold and, the, and, 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 and all the silver and he would have the people and they would bow before the conquering king. He was the ascended one. He was the triumphant one. And Paul is saying to us as a church, if we are to understand the purpose of the church and what the church exists on earth for, we must understand there is a war on. We must understand we've been born again into a battlefield. The one who descended, which is the Lord Jesus Christ, who became a baby in Bethlehem and grew up to be a man. It was he who came as David's greatest son onto the battlefield to confront the powers of Satan and sin and mankind in rebellion against God. It was King Jesus, this God-man who lived upon earth, who set his face like flint towards a cross, and it was him who took on Goliath. It was him who took on every evil force that stands opposed to God and his rule and reign across the earth. And it was this Jesus who not with stones, not with little pebbles from a, from a brook, defeated Goliath. It was in the death upon a wooden cross that he defeated Satan, defeated sin once and for all. 
because Jesus didn't remain dead. He was risen from the dead in the power of the Holy Spirit. He triumphed over sin and over death and over evil and ascended out of the grave and ascended to his Father's right hand where he has all authority. And this Jesus with all authority says, I'm going to build my church and I'm going to give gifts. I'm not going to receive gifts. I'm going to give gifts to men so that my church might be built. You see, the church begins with this fact in terms of warfare. Jesus is Lord. On the battlefield of this world, you and I have bowed the knee, given up our rebellion. We've said to God, Jesus, you are Lord. You've defeated my sin upon that cross. And I turn from my allegiance to Satan and to all other forces, and I give my allegiance to you, the living God, and declare you are the one who rules and reigns triumphantly. And in that moment, in that incredible moment, swapping sides, swapping sides from rebellion into the kingdom of God, we are wonderfully saved. But the battle does not stop. All of this world is under the control of the evil one. And we are the people of God who are called by God to bring transformation and grace, to see this world transformed, to be a place of love. We walk in love and bring love to everybody that we meet. But we understand every step is a, is a, is a step of faith. Every prayer is a powerful weapon. The apostolic ministry, the Ephesians 4 ministries must birth the church in a battle mindset. We must be praying in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers. It says in Ephesians 6. Why? Because we wrestle not against flesh and blood. There are powers at work in this world that you and I have got authority over because we are in Christ and we are to tread down the serpent. We're to tread on the, on, on the serpent's neck and advance his kingdom. If we don't understand this, the church just becomes a sleepy little club. Everybody's nice. Everybody's nice to each other. And we make no difference to our communities. But when we realize that people are enslaved out there, enslaved to addictions, enslaved to, to passions, enslaved to the enemy, we suddenly realize we exist on earth to bring love, to bring healing, to bring hope, to bring transformation. That is the purpose of the church on earth. We're at war and we need to have a mindset of battle. The second thing you'll notice here though, if, uh, let me just, actually let me just ask you a question. Are you fighting? Are you fighting? Are you in this moment in, in your life, are you fighting in faith for Jesus to be Lord of your life? Are you wounded? You know, one of the things that always shocks me, I'll be honest, I like, I like these opportunities just to let, let things out. You know, there's a ministry time, and, the, and people, the elders say, well, there's a ministry time now, if you want to go ministry time, and like, sort of one person might go, oh yeah, I think I might need some ministry. I'm, I'm amazed, because if we're in a battle, I'll tell you what, most of us should be coming with flesh wounds at least. Some of us with some serious wounds. Some of us may have been temp tempted. The enemy's taken us out with temptation this week and we've looked at things or said things or cheated at things and we think, oh, there is grace and there is mercy for every soldier to come into the repair room and to, to be put back together, to be prayed for, to be encouraged. I think the ministry times need to grow massive in this church if we're truly to be an army 
that's advancing the kingdom. Secondly, so are you a fighting church, Westminster Chapel? Secondly, are you a fishing church? Now this is for people who are much cleverer than myself. But it says here, it was he who gave some to be apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers to prepare God's people. To prepare. That's an important word when it comes to fishing. If you now turn over to Mark chapter 1 and verse 16. This is when Jesus calls his first disciples. He says, the time has come, the kingdom of God is near, repent and believe the good news. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus says, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little further, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John a boat, in a boat preparing There's the same word used, I think it's only used in one other instance in the New Testament, preparing their nets without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat and the hired men, and they followed him. These gifts of the risen Christ that he gives to his church to every generation, I believe, are to mend, prepare the church so that we can catch fish. Every time that uh, we meet together, there is a weaving of strands, and you're a strand, a piece of string, a piece of rope, a piece of hemp, and you are being prepared, equipped, stretched, strengthened, tantalized, uh, pulled together, knitted together, weaved together, knotted together in terms of your life with other people's lives. Church is not about individualism and me coming for my needs. It's all about these gifts sewing us together, building our community together, building our lives together, the way we share our food together, the way we do our worship together. It, it is putting our lives together in such a way that we love one another. By this will all men know that you're my disciples and that Jesus can lower each part of this church's communities down into waters, down into new communities and catch men and women up into his glorious gospel. You and I are saved to catch men and women. Ephesians 4 gifts get the church ready and remind the church that we are a fishing boat. We're not just an army, we're a fishing boat. And so every day, every week, we're going out fishing. You don't fish once in a while. Neither are we fishing on our own with our fishing rods. No, together, we're living in these pockets of communities all over London, and we're trying to reach those communities with the love of Jesus Christ. That means our lives need to be sewn together better. Evangelists knot us together. They give us knotty problems. Prophets point to where the fishing waters are best. Apostles say, come on, get all the boats in the water. All the communities, get out there fishing. You get the picture. Let me tell you a parable. I'll paraphrase this. From heaven came a decree to all the worldwide church that all the worldwide church should be fishermen. And the worldwide church said to the ascended Jesus, we will be fishermen. And so the worldwide church, every individual of the church, went out into the shops and they bought fishing rods. 
They didn't just buy fishing rods. They compared fishing rods. They got fishing reels. They got fishing lures. They got fishing hooks. They knew about fishing and they boasted about fishing. One thing they never did was fish. Large, elaborate printing works were set to work for the church. These were printing fishing guides. They would tell you all about fish, where the fish were, what type of fish, the psychology of fishing. You could even get a degree in fishology. And many did. The one thing the people who got degrees in fishology never did was fish. Well, preachers were appointed to rouse the men and women across the nations to fish. These preachers would come with elaborate nets, elaborate fish hooks and fishing stories and they would inspire and everyone at the end of the sermon would say, Amen, we are fishermen! And they would congratulate each other and one thing they would never do was to fish. Well, after one inspiring meeting, one young man decided in his wisdom that he would go out fishing. And he caught two enormous fish. And he returned the following Sunday to say, I have caught two fish. Well, they praised him for his endeavor. They told him to put up his rod and never go fishing again, but appointed him to go all over the nations preaching about how to fish. Can you imagine the look on everyone's faces when they stood before Jesus on that final day and heard him say to them, you were never a fisherman because you never caught fish. Is one following Jesus if one isn't fishing? A powerful challenge and story for us all. J.D. Greer who leads the Southern Baptist, says 90% of evangelical Christians have never talked to another person about Jesus Christ outside of their family. Westminster Chapel, we need to change that. We need to let people in Westminster and Victoria or Croydon, wherever we're from, we need to let people know that Jesus is alive, that Jesus loves people, and that you and I are called by grace to see people saved. God wants to use us all our little frailties, all our little peculiarities, he wants to use us to catch men and women up in this wonderful church. The third, so I, I guess the question for all of us is, are we fishing? When was the last time we took an opportunity just to say someone about Jesus and just to be loving to them? But perhaps bigger, prophetically, where are we fishing together? Church, where are we fishing together? What are the communities God has given us to drop our nets down? Remember Jesus saying, let down your nets, put them on the other side of the boat. We've got Millbank, we've got Churchill Gardens, we've got Victoria, we've got this area around. We've got loads of opportunities, haven't we? Gina? Yeah, we've got loads of opportunities. Let's make sure we're letting our nets down, loving people for Jesus' sake. Third question in terms of growing up is, are we are family. Are we building a family church? Are we building a family church? Now the imagery here, Paul has, uses many different images as he works his way through Ephesians. But in here, he talks about maturity. Verse 13, until we reach unity, he's talking to the church in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature, attaining to the full measure of the fullness of Christ. That's as a church. To touch us is to touch Jesus Christ. To see us is to see the risen Lord Jesus Christ with all that he is and all that he does. 
Then it says in verse 14, we will no longer be infants tossed back and forward by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. The heart of Ephesians 4 ministry, the heart of apostolic ministry is fathering, mothering. It's building a church with mothers and fathers. It's spiritual mentoring and discipling of young lives that just become Christians, realizing they're now toddlers and helping them to grow up. If you turn with me to, if you think this is a stretch, if you turn with me to 1 Thessalonians um, chapter 2, I think it's, you couldn't get it clearer from what Paul felt about his own ministry in, in, in this church, which he was only there for a very short period of time. But he says this in chapter 2, verse 7, We were gentle among you like a mother caring for her little children. We loved you so much and we're delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God but our lives as well. And then in verse 11, for you know that we dealt with each of you as a father. So he's, got mother, he's acting as a mum and then he's talking about being a father or a dad, dealing with his own children, encouraging, comforting, urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. So, I don't know if this helps you, but just think of this church, think of Westminster Chapel, and try and do a recalculation in terms of what it is. It is meant to be a family. Think of your nuclear family, your earthly family, and then think of adding to that in terms of love, commitment, loyalty, protecting each other's back, standing up for each other, looking out for each other, being there for one another. We are a family. God is building a family. And, and, and gifts that the ascended Christ gives act as mum and dads, men and women that God gifts to help us. Leaders aren't here to tell you off. Leaders are here to help you grow up, to be, to be a mum and dad. Thank God we've got elders who are, who are acting as spiritual fathers saying to us, come on, church, come on, we need to do this, we need to dig deep into this we need to eat this stuff sometimes the doctrine don't you ever get oh that's heavy doctrine oh chewing on well that's like it is like that with your toddlers isn't it come on eat your greens eat your meat we need in this church to have a whole family babies toddlers teenagers we need to have mums and dads we need to have grandparents who are helping us to become the family of God in this part of London. And when you think about fathering and think about the father heart of God, all leaders should represent the father heart of God. I'll just illustrate five really important things we need to think when we think about spiritual fathering or leadership in the church. Firstly, you want to have many children. Parents want to have kids. That's the way it is. Whether they're natural or adopted, you want to have loads of the things. I mean, I know it's not very popular today, but can I encourage back home? Here, have lots of kids. We had, we had four. I mean, why have this stopped on four? I don't know. I mean, I was wanting to go for a rugby team. I mean, it's brilliant, fun, having kids. Not so much the mum bit, but, you know, having babies, but the having families. Wonderful. In this church, we want to have many, many people born again. We want, we want to hear the cry of babies every week. 
That's a healthy cry. Give me children or I'll die. Secondly, we need to help our children to grow up. We need to bring godly authority. You only get one set of parents. Can I say this to all your parents? Be a parent. Before you be a friend, be a parent. They only get one set of parents. It's the same in the church. You get spiritual mums and dads, and they're your mum and dad. I don't understand. If you're having your meal as a family today, you're going home after a busy Sunday morning, you're piling in, hey, mum's cooked a roast dinner. If your neighbor's kids turned up and go, we don't like what mum and dad's cooking, we're going to eat here from now on, <laughs> you'd say, push off. I said, you're not my family, push off. Go and join your family, wouldn't you? Well, maybe you wouldn't. But that's a bit like church hopping. When you meet Christians who, well, I don't really belong to any church, I just go, well, you're not eating my food. I've taken a long time to prepare this. Push off. We need to know who our family is. We need to know that we are under authority, that we are receiving authority into our life. Thirdly, we're always looking to change. That's individual change and church change. We must always be coming more like Christ. And no longer infants reminds us that we all have to go through this process. We don't just get it automatically at salvation. I was with Andy and Sham this weekend and little Olive. And, and they were just amazing. I, mean, I couldn't believe it. They were applauding her for going, thanks. No, no, I wanted to butt in. Andy, Andy, she just said, in a very sort of muted way, no, thank you very much, Dad, for the chocolate chip cookie. Is the right way to say it. But he was applauding her for, for a little meaningless things. And when she was walking in the park, I mean, he was like applauding an Olympic runner. She was making these tiny little steps and pushing her bike, and he was whooping and excited. I mean, I was running alongside going, look at this, Annie. You think that's impressive? Watch me. Why was he making such a big deal? Because it was the appropriate response to help her to take the next step. Church, we want to help every one of you to take a next step. We're all on the journey. We're all growing up, hopefully becoming more mature, more Christ-like. But we are meant to be changing. Fourthly, we need to lead out of grace. Do you notice those words in 1 Thessalonians? Gentle, caring, encouraging, comforting. All of God's leadership in his church is servant leadership. It's never, I'm on top of the, some sort of pulpit and I'm telling you lot how to behave. It's follow me as I follow Christ and we do it with servant heartedness. We all know our own frailties and we need to walk with humility with them. And finally, the goal of our church family is maturity. For every one of us to grow up. For every one of us to become a mum and a dad. And one, I want to say this, and this is really important. I want to thank God for everybody who's single in this church, who's helping build this family. You at home, you here today. I sometimes think there's a sort of funny message that can creep into Christianity that the goal of our getting together is that we all get married. And we all have our kids, and it's the nuclear family, and then church is just an add-on, but we've just got what we want in life. No, the community that lasts for eternity is the church. The family that lasts forever is the church. I want to be part of this family's reputation in heaven. Oh, you were part of that family that did all those things in chapel between the eight, this year and that year. Yeah, I was, I was one of the parents in the, in the church. Heather and I were part of that parenting thing. We saw loads of people 
getting saved. Loads of people growing up. We did it together. And I just thank God for singles. You can be mums and dads of singles. Many of you are. You know, I just, I'm so impressed with the way you lead, the way you love, the way you keep giving and keep building this church. And I just want to commend you because often you can be overlooked. So in this one, are you joined to this family? Or are you just coming and having a free meal once in a while? Are you stuck? Are you a baby Christian? Do you come every week and go, didn't like that, didn't like that? Well, grow up. Leaders are here to say, go up. Stop acting so immature. You said that for the last year and it's a time to make some changes. Fourthly, are you a foundation conscious church? We, we want to build a church on the, on the right foundations. I'll, I'll move quickly on this, but Ephesians 2 verse 20, it, 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 it's a different metaphor from the body. And he talks about, in 2 verse 20, he talks about um, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a temple in the Lord. The gifts that, of the ascended Christ that he gives to his church in every generation, that's the gifts of apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers, are foundational on which the church should be built. They are there right at the beginning. They what church planting, you, you need leadership right in the foundations. You need to make sure that the foundations that go in are, enable the church to grow plumb line true and strong enough. I don't know if you ever noticed this. It's quite simplistic in a way, but if you think of the foundation of this building, if you think of the foundation of the road, if you think of the foundation of the bridge, if you think of the foundation of the underground tunnels that are running beneath us, they all have three ingredients, rock, cement, and water. That's it. Now, they're built and strengthened differently by skilled structural engineers who know what the difference is because the size of the, size of the foundation determines the size of the building. The shard wasn't built on a six-inch foundation. <laughs> they went miles. Well, they didn't go miles, but they went a long way underground because they knew with all the wind pressure and everything else, that building would come falling down as sure as eggs are eggs unless the foundation was right. So these gifts are not just to be laying doctrine which is foundational, but they are foundational for the life and health of the church. They're not only in the foundations, they influence the whole of the church's life and should be received in constantly to help the church be all that it could be. When I think of those three ingredients, and when I think that Jesus talked about the wise and foolish builders, this applies to a whole church and it applies to an individual. Build your house on the right foundation. Is your life on the right foundation? If we were to try and illustrate those three ingredients, Christ is the rock. He's the cornerstone. He's, he's, the, he's the one who shapes everything else. He's the solid stuff. He's the stuff that put your feet on him and nothing can shake you. It, it, it's going to last. Think of the the, the cement. Think of the, the way in which Christ has given these gifts and he's given his word 
that mixes every Sunday. There's a mixing going on with Christ and, and the Word of God that becomes something solid in our life on which we can depend and put our feet down on. We know that who Christ is because of His Word. And we know that we also want the Holy Spirit an illustration of water, the Spirit of God pouring down on us, mixing us together in our shared life, mixing in the Word of God into our shared life so that what Christ builds is strong and lasting. We are to be a community of the Holy Spirit. We are building a church which isn't just, well, we don't need the Holy Spirit today. We don't need these gifts today. No, we know that without the Spirit bringing illumination on His Word, bringing His presence through the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and by the way, it's a We can start doing that now. (laughs) Just want to throw that in. I know you're all sitting there passive this morning, but actually we believe in the charismatic. We believe that people will be spoken to by the Holy Spirit, prophetic ministry and scriptures and things they need to bring for the strengthening of the whole body. How does that happen? Because the Holy Spirit's present. We're two or three in the midst of us, Christ in the midst of us. So the question in terms of building on the right foundation is this this church receiving in Ephesians 4 ministries? Is it raising up Ephesians 4 ministries? And is every member being built on the rock, on the solid foundation of Christ? Let me finish. And I'm going to finish with the final F because it's not in this text. But it is in the scripture and it is part of apostolic ministry. And you find it, if you turn with me to 1 Corinthians Three, where Paul uses the building and the farming metaphor side by side. And the fifth F is God wants to build a farming church. Verse 6 of chapter 3 of 1 Corinthians, I planted the seed, Apollos watered, God made it grow. Neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, only God who makes things grow. The man who plants, the one who waters, have one purpose and each will be rewarded according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, God's building. We're also farmers. As we leave here today, we sow with our lives our words and our actions into the topsoil of the world. An apostolic ministry, Ephesians 4 ministry, reminds us all that God wants a huge harvest of souls. The fields, Jesus says, are ripe. They're ready for harvesting. London, I believe, is coming ripe for harvest, a massive harvest to be taken. And so we need to receive these ministries who come in amongst us and say, friends, there is a harvest. Pick up your sickle, pick up your seed bag, pick up your combine harvester and let's go and take a harvest for Jesus Christ. Every single act that you do this week, every single word of kindness that you sow in faith in Christ starts to root in another person's life and works its way out so it can produce a harvest. So that's the sort of church I believe that these ministries rally the church to remind them of these five F's and that's the sort of ministry I'm rallying you to this morning when you think of Westminster Chapel please do not think preaching center please do not think a nice building where we can sit and be comfy and have nice coffee please think that we gather as an army ready to fight please think that we are a fishing boat each fishing little galley is going out out from here to catch fish think about us being a family together We don't go, how do you do? Nice to see you. No, we hug each other when we can. We hug each other. 
nearly did divide us. We'd hug each other and say, we love you and we're for you because we're family. We're battling for each other. We're building this incredible community with loads and loads of kids, physical, spiritual, loads of kids. We want to also make sure we're built on the right foundation. We need to hear the teaching of God's word. We need leaders to help us mix in the Holy Spirit, mix in these wonderful truths with godly authority to lead us. Because, friends, there is a harvest out there that we are being called to. Men and women, thousands of them, all the different nations, all the different ages, God is calling us to reap a great harvest. If you want to be part of that church, why don't you stand? I'm going to pray for you and then hand back to Howard. Let's just be in the spirit for this moment. Lord, I pray, home or here, no one would feel excluded from this message this morning. Thank you, Jesus, from your ascended place. Not when you're on earth. You didn't give apostles when you're on earth alone. You, from the place of final authority, all authority, you gave apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. In order for we, we your people, can be people who can do all these things that we've heard this morning. And so help us, Lord. Help us, Lord, to break with any wrong thinking of church and to understand the beautiful, powerful, wonderful beauty of your people on earth gathered in local communities called the church and the gates of hell cannot prevail against them. Lord, we have all authority and so I pray for a real revelation and encounter and encouragement that Lord, we would build something here for your eternal glory and purpose and that we would see amazing things take place in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Let's go back into worship. Thank you. listening to sermon audio from Westminster Chapel. If you'd like to partner with us in making disciples and sharing the gospel, please consider making a one-off or regular donation. Visit westminsterchapel.org.uk forward slash giving to find out how.